But here in the book of James, God talks to us about the tongue and about what we say and how we say it. Uh, the average person says 25,000 words a day. Got to put my finger back on here. 25,000 words a day. If you go to the doctor, what's the first thing he asks you to do? Stick out your tongue, right? Because a doctor can look at your tongue and tell a lot about what's going on in your body. Now, I can tell you this. When I got saved, I lost half of my vocabulary just like that. I mean, I used to cuss and all the stuff that I did. But once I got saved, God changed my heart and changed my tongue. And I'm so glad about that. I was listening a while ago. You had the music going on. It's weird listening to myself sing. But my daughter and I were singing that little song. And I thought about her when uh, we were in a vacation Bible school when she was a little girl. She was two or three years old. I can't remember. But I remember the, the, son, the teacher that was teaching the class made this statement. She said, now class... The Bible cannot lie. Is that not true? And my daughter, just out of the blue, said, that's right. It doesn't have a tongue. You know, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, the Bible may not have a tongue, but it can sure speak to your heart, right? Praise the Lord. James 1, 26 says, If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is vain. I heard a story about a guy one time. He had come to a, a college and there were a bunch of young preacher boys sitting up front, and they'd been studying, they'd been reading all these books of the old preachers, and like uh, Billy Sunday and D.L. Moody and all these kind of people. And, and the preacher got up there, and he would say these quotes as if he was the one that came up with the quote, and he wasn't giving anybody any credit for the quote. But these uh, Bible scholars, these Bible students had been reading about this, and this one guy was very uh, vocal, as, as you would say, and, and he said this quote, and that young Bible student went, Hey! He said, D.L. Moody said that. Preacher looked at him and kept going, you know. And then he said something else. He went, hey, Billy Sunday said that. And the preacher looked at him again. Then one last time, he did it again. And that young boy blurted out, hey, so-and-so said that. And the preacher looked at him and said, if you don't shut up, I'm going to come down and shut you up. And he went, you said that. <laughs> and so that's why a lot of times, man, things will come out of our mouth. And they'll come out too quick. And once they're out, it's a sad, sad thing. The Bible says in Isaiah 6, 5, Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the kingdom of the Lord of hosts. Now look at the Bible here in uh, James chapter 3. And we'll start here, just start at the beginning. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. In many things we offend all, if... Any man offend not in word, the same as the perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Now, I grew up with horses, and one way that you train a horse is when you're sitting on him and you have the bridle, you have a, a rein in the right hand, a rein in the left hand, and to train a horse to turn like you want him to turn, what you do, if you want him to go left, you pull left, but as you pull left, then you lay the rein on his neck. And every time you pull left, you lay the rein on his neck. So it'll come to the point where you won't have to tug him anymore. You just lay the rein on his neck, and he'll automatically turn. That's one of the ways that you train a horse. And that's what God's talking about here, how we need to train our tongues. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so, the tongue... As a little member and boasteth great things, behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body 
and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it, the tongue, is set on fire of hell. And every kind of beast, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame, and is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeded blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Though the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter, can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either fine figs, so can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Father God in heaven, I pray you'll bless the reading of your word, the teaching of this lesson on the tongue, and help us all to be careful what we say and how we say it and when we say it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. I looked up the, the word tongue in the Western's Dictionary. It says, the muscular organ attached to the floor of the mouth, used in tasting, chewing, and speaking. The mouth is a house. It has a floor, a roof, and doors that can let out bad or good. That's why God gave us two sets of lips and two sets of teeth so we can keep our mouth shut. The Bible says in Psalm 141.3, Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. The Bible says also in Romans chapter 3, 13 and 14, Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. I was in a restaurant one time in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. I had gone there to uh, meet with a friend of mine and his wife. I was very concerned about their souls. I invited them to dinner. And the place that we went was a place that was a restaurant. And then at 10 o'clock, the band came in and it turned into a nightclub. I knew that because I used to play there back in the day. And so I told them, I said, I'd love to take you to dinner. Where would you like to go? And that's where they wanted to go. And I said, okay, I'll take you there. But at 10 o'clock, I'm going to be like Cinderella. I got to get out of there before everything breaks loose. All right. And they said, hey, we got it. And then they called me and said, hey, we invited some other friends. So it ended up not just being my friend and his wife. It was a table full of couples, uh, five couples, 10 people. I got to share my testimony and the gospel with the whole crowd there. I told them, I said, now I'm buying my friend and his wife dinner. I can't buy y'all dinner. I'm not going to do that. But I, I did that, got to share with them, gave them gospel tracts. And, and then I saw the band coming in. And I said, well, folks, it was nice to meet you. And I'll see you later. So I'm getting ready to walk out. I'm trying to get out of there before everything breaks loose. And there was a guy standing over there talking to another guy. He had a cigarette in one hand, a beer in the other. And I mean, he was letting it fly, buddy. I mean, he was cussing like a sailor. And but so on the way out, it was, I don't hear bells ringing or anything like that, but that still small voice in my spirit said, you need to give him a gospel track before you leave. And I went, oh God, I'm trying to get out of here, you know. And I said, okay. So I just kind of waited for them to finish their conversation. And once they did, the one guy walked off and I walked over to this young man and I said, hey buddy, I said, uh, I was getting ready to leave, but the Lord wanted me to give you this. And when I handed him that gospel track, he went, well, praise the Lord. I'm a Christian. I said, really? I said, uh, I said, I don't mean to get in your business or anything. I said, but, and I wasn't trying to eavesdrop. I said, be honest with you, I was trying to leave before the band started and all. But I said, God wanted me to give you this. And I said, what I heard coming out of your mouth a while ago didn't sound like Christian conversation to me. And he dropped his head and he said, you're, you're exactly right. And I said, look, buddy, I don't know your deal. I just know God wanted me to give you this. And, and you know, and I talked to him for a minute, but he got real nervous. I could tell he wanted to get away from me. So, but I walked out of there. You have no idea. Another uh, instance that happened to me was uh, I walked into a, a little service station there in my hometown. 
It's a, and it's a real small thing. It's like a little box. And when I walked in, there was a guy at the counter, and he was telling the girl behind the counter a filthy joke. Uh, and so I walked in there and gave her some money for some gas and uh, gave them both a gospel track, and then I walked out. And a few minutes later, that guy came out, and he said, uh, he said, Brother Bruce, he said, uh, I need to talk to you a minute. And I said, okay. And when he called me Brother Bruce, I'm like, what in the world? He was a Christian. And he said, Bruce, he said, I was in there telling that girl a filthy joke. And when you handed me this track, he said, God smoked my heart. And he said, I'm a Christian. And he said, but I sure wasn't acting like one a minute ago. And he said, thank you for handing me this. It really helped me today. And so we got to talk and pray together. And it was a neat thing. But, you know, everybody that says they're Christians, not always a Christian. But sometimes even Christians say the wrong thing and do the wrong thing. Are you with me on that? Paul said, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. It's, it's a hard life sometimes, living the Christian life. Matthew 15, 8 said, This people draweth nigh to me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And James 3, 10, Out of the same mouth proceeded blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do people curse around you? Let me ask you this, like this. Are they comfortable cursing around you? You know, I have family members and friends, and every now and then I'm with them, and they might let a... a words slip and they'll look at me and say Bruce I'm sorry because you know they they know that I'm a Christian and so they're apologizing to me which they should be apologizing to God but the thing about it is is that we're they're respecting the God that lives in me and I understand that and so if people are comfortable cursing around you there's something something not right you, and you can't just call people out you can't do hey, you heathen you're gonna die and go to hell you keep talking like that you know that's not the way to deal with things uh, the Bible says share the truth in love. And so you have to be love and kind when you do it. But uh, I, I did that to a guy I was working on a roof with one time. And, and it was one of those deals where I was doing some electrical work and he was doing something else on the roof there. And uh, man, he was letting him fly a little bit. And I said, hey, buddy, I want you to know something. I said, you know, before I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior, I cussed worse than you did. And he looked, he said, really? And I said, yeah. So it just kind of started in a conversation. I was sharing with him. I said, yeah, but when I invited Christ into my heart and my life, I said, it changed the way I talk and the change, changes the way I, I deal with everything. And so I got to share the gospel with him on the roof there. It was a pretty neat little thing. But the Bible says in Proverbs 29, 24, whoso is partner with a thief hateth his own soul. He heareth cursing and berayeth it not. And see, there's a lot of times that we hear people cursing, especially when they use the name of our God in vain, and we don't say a word. And the Bible says that we do need to. Like, if um, suppose you were somewhere and somebody was saying something bad about your dad or cussing your dad, would you say something to him? Of course you would. So if somebody's saying and using your father's name in vain, the holy God of heaven, there's a time and a place where we need to do that. My brother Sammy did that. Uh, at his job site after he became a Christian and, and he went to uh, his boss and, you know, thinking, man, this guy's going to fire me, but i got to say something. And he said, look, he said, uh, I want you to know that there's some ladies that work in this office and some of the language you use, he said, I hate they have to hear that. And he said, when you use my father's name in vain like you do, he said, that really bothers me. And he said, I'm, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just telling you how it makes me feel when you do that. He said, because I love him. The God that you're cussing is the God that I love. Another instance, I was uh, doing a job back when I was doing electrical work. And I was doing a job for a guy who was an atheist. And I had tried to witness to him, share my 
testimony with him, gave him gospel tracts. And uh, I remember that he kept using the Lord's name in vain. And I went and talked to him. And I said, you know what? I said, I'm not trying to be a smart aleck or anything. I said, but you say you don't believe in God, but you sure use his name in a foul manner a lot. And he said, oh, I didn't realize I was doing that. And I said, well, I figured you didn't. And then he also had a Christmas tree there in his place. And I, I told him, I said, look, I'm just trying to understand where you're coming from. And I said, why do you celebrate Christmas if you don't believe in God? He said, I don't know. I really don't know. And I said, I was just wondering. I thought maybe, you know. And so there's ways that you can deal with people, especially when you're around them, you know, have time with them a little bit there. You can share things with them. But always stand up for the Lord Jesus Christ if somebody's cursing his name for sure. And uh, <clears throat> I was at a football game one time. My brother, I'm an old Redskins fan, and my brother bought me tickets to the Carolina Panthers and the Redskins game. And the first guy I led to Jesus Christ, I took him to that game with me, and we were way up in the top, the nosebleeds. And this was in uh, the Panther Stadium in Charlotte. And the Redskins were beating the fire out of them, so everybody left, you know, and the, a lot of seats were empty. So I said, hey, let's go down and get a little closer. So we went down got a little closer, and there was a guy sitting behind me with his wife, and he had been drinking all day, and boy, there he goes. He's letting it fly, and he said the name of the Lord in vain. Oh, I cringed. I said, oh, man, and then he did it again. And I turned around, and I said, sir, I said, uh, I, said I don't mean to get in your business, but the God you're cursing is a God that I love. I wish you wouldn't do that. And he went, you're not even in the right seat. I said, you're exactly right. I am not in the right seat for sure. And I told my friend, I said, let's, let's go. The game's over anyway. But you know, there's times when you need to stand up for the Lord. And men and women in many cultures have warned us about our speech. And here's uh, verses by an unknown writer that say it well. And this is a hard, this is a kind of a tongue twister. But it says, the boneless tongue, so small and weak, can crush and kill, declared the Greek. The Persian proverb wisely saith, a lengthy tongue and early death. Sometimes it takes this form instead. Don't let your tongue cut off your head. While Arab sages this in part, the tongue's great storehouse is the heart. From Hebrew wit, maxim sprung, though feet should slip, don't let the tongue. A verse from Scripture crowns the whole. Who keeps his tongue doth keep his soul. Someone said, nothing is open more by mistake than the mouth. And Abraham Lincoln said this, better to be thought of a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. <laughs> Have you ever heard this saying? Some people say, well, I just say what's ever on my mind. I just let her go. That's the way a lot of people live. But Proverbs 29, 11 says, A fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it in until afterwards. And the Bible says in James 1, 19, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. In Proverbs 29, 20, the Bible says, Seest thou a man that is hasty in his words, there is more hope of a fool than of him. And Proverbs 21, 23 says, Whoso keepeth his mouth, keepeth his soul from troubles. Have you ever been talking to somebody and you're standing there talking to them and, and you're thinking in your mind, this guy's asking me to hit him right in the mouth. Have you ever thought that? Am I the only one? Okay. Anyway, <laughs> keeping your mouth shut will keep you from a lot of troubles. But you know what? I found a verse for this in Proverbs 18, 6. A fool's lips enter into contention and his mouth calleth for strokes. God has it all laid out. A fool's mouth is his destruction. His lips are the snare of his soul. Proverbs 10, 19. The multitude of words, there wanteth not sin, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. A talebearer, 
uh, Proverbs eleven thirteen. A talebearer revealeth secrets, but he that is a, a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. And Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 2, Be not rash with thy mouth, let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven, and thou upon earth, therefore let thy words be few. Uh, Proverbs 30, 32 says, If thou hast done foolishly in lifting up thyself, or if, if thou hast thought evil, lay thine hand upon thy mouth. Just because you think something, you don't have to say it. Proverbs 17, 2 says, Let another man praise thee, and not thine own mouth, a stranger, not thine own lips. Proverbs 20, 19, He that goeth about as a talebearer revealeth secrets, therefore meddle not with him that flattereth with his lips. A person who will talk to you about other people will talk to other people about you. You can mark that down. And the Bible says in the day of judgment, Matthew 12, 36, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account therefore in the day of judgment. Of judgment, For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. And this includes, by the way, uh, text messages or anything you write or type on paper, or the internet or Facebook. I can't remember if it was uh, Brother Skelly or, or Kenny Baldwin that said you need to get off Facebook and get your face in the book. That'll help you just a little bit. Amen? <laughs> I think that's a good thing. But you know what? The tongue is the tattletale of the heart. Many times you can know what's in a person's heart by what they say and the, and the way they talk. And a wise person knows what to say but when not to say it. And to silence gossip, don't repeat it. My mother used to say, and I always say this is in chapter 21 of Mama's Book of Sayings in verse 2, if you don't have anything good to say about anybody, don't say anything at all. And Ephesians 4.29 says it like this, But let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good use of edifying that may minister grace to the hearers. Your walk talks and your talk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. Amen? Say that three or four times in a row. The only way to avoid disagreements is to stop talking altogether, but we can't do that. And this is one of my favorite quotes. Silence is often misunderstood, but it is never misquoted. I'll say that again. Silence is often misunderstood, but it is never misquoted. First uh, Peter 3, 1, Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. And God says that uh, women can win their husbands to Christ, not by needling them and talking to them and saying this and that, but just living a Christ-like life while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. How many of you ever heard this little statement? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a cute little rhyme, but it's a lie from the devil because words will hurt. If, uh, the Bible says in Proverbs 18, 8, the words of a talebearer as wounds, they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. There's a Japanese proverb that says the tongue three inches long can kill a man six feet tall. How many of you wish you could go back and take some things back that you said and wish you could put them back in your mouth? But you know what? Once they're out of the gate, they're out of the gate and they're going to do the harm that they can do. And it's just too late after that. Words can either hurt or help. They can tell you how to go to heaven or they can send you to hell. Back when I was lost, I used to tell people that. You go to, and I would never say that to anybody. But you know, hell was not a reality to me back in those days when I was lost. But Psalm 107.2 says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. And uh, Proverbs 18.21, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. You know, we're never going to experience true revival 
unless we learn how to control the tongue. And some people say, well, I can't do anything with that. Well, the Bible says I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. With Jesus' help, you can be careful about how you talk and how you, how you say things to people. I remember when my daughter was real young and uh, we homeschooled her and we were, I was teaching her some math one day and it's just simple stuff, you know, adding, subtracting and things like this. And I remember I got frustrated with her one day and I'll never forget, I looked there and I said, I said, why can't you get this? Just the way I said that with that tone. I'll never forget, I just saw her little lips start quivering, tears starting to come down. And man, I knew I had hurt her heart. And it wasn't that I yelled at her or I didn't scream at her, but the tone in my voice was not the right tone. And I had to ask my little girl right then, I said, Daddy was wrong in the way he said what he said to you. I said, will you please forgive me for that? And so sometimes it's not what we say, it's how we say it. Um, the Bible says in Colossians 3, 8, but now you also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Psalm 19, 14, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in my sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And God has a hate list in Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19. And of, all, and of seven of those things, three of those deal with the tongue. And God is very serious about how we use our mouth. The Bible says in Proverbs 28, 13, He that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh it shall have mercy. And J. Vernon McGee uh, made this statement, and I wrote it over the top of that verse. There's a band-aid of silence wrapped over the cancer of sin. And if we're going to have revival, it's going to have to start in our hearts. And what's in our hearts will come out of our mouths because the Bible says in Matthew 12, 34, For out of the abundance of the heart... The mouth speaketh. You know, many people will say something real mean or curt, and they'll say, I really didn't mean that. Well, yeah, you did. You came out of your mouth because it was in your heart, and that's just the way it is. Matthew 26, 73, And after a while they came unto him that stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou also are one of them, for thy speech bereath thee, or, or brings it to light. You know, when Peter was hanging around there warming himself by the fire, those people said, hey, you're one of them disciples, aren't you? And he said, no, I'm not, I'm not one of them, God. And next thing you know, he even started cursing, trying to blend in with the world, trying to prove that he wasn't who he said he was. You know, it's a wonderful thing to be known by people if you have a good reputation. In our hometown, everybody knows the Fry Boys. I mean, my brother Sammy's been a preacher in that town for over 30 years, so everybody knows Sammy Fry. He does a lot of counseling not just in our church, but a lot of people come to him for counseling there. So everybody knows Sammy Fry. And then everybody knows my younger brother, Dale, because my younger brother, Dale, is a two-time world lightweight kickboxing champ. He does stunts in the movies. He's in the papers all the time. And then there's me, the middle boy, that went to Nashville to be a star, and I was in the papers all the time. So everybody knows the Fry Boys. Uh, my brother Sammy said he walked into a, um, a convenience store one time, and the lady said, she, he handed her a check, you know, and she said, you're that kickboxer, ain't you? He said, no, that's my younger brother. She said, oh, you're, you're that country singer then, aren't you? He said, no, that's, that's my middle brother. She said, what do you do? He went, for a minute there, I didn't know who I was or what I did, man. He, just, he said, I went blank. He, said, he walked out of there saying, man, my brothers are just so well known. But, you know, wouldn't it be neat? If when you go in and start talking to people, they look at you and say, you're a child of God, aren't you? 
Man, I was listening to you talk, and I could tell that you know the Lord and love the Lord. And that's a wonderful thing. I've done that as I go across this country. I was in an airport. I don't remember where I was, but it was at a McDonald's. And I remember the girl behind the counter. I went to, uh, to pay for my food, and as I was just dealing with her, I told her, I said, you're a child of the king, aren't you? She said, how did you know that? I said, I could just tell. I said, my spirit bears witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. And just the way you were treating people, the way you were talking to people, it was just a wonderful thing. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing for people to recognize us as children of God? Just a few more verses here. Just talking to you about the tongue this morning and using God's word to speak to your heart. Colossians 4, 6, let your speech be always with grace. Season with salt that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Proverbs 17, 27, He that hateth knowledge spareth his words, and a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. Proverbs 17, 28, Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise, and he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. You realize that gospers are haters of God? Romans 1, 29, Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God. And Psalm 34, 13 says, Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. And be careful what you say about your pastor or other godly men in leadership. Because back in Numbers chapter 12, uh, you can go back and read if you want to in verses 1 through 16. Miriam spoke against Moses and she became leprous as a, a reason that because she was going after God's man. In 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 23 and 24, the children mocked Elijah saying, Go up thou bald head. And God sent two mama bears out of the woods and tore 42 of them. And I, I looked up that word tore. It means to rip up, tear up. I don't know if the, those mama bears killed them kids or not, but I'll tell you what, it probably beat them up pretty bad. I bet they didn't say anything against the preacher anymore after all of that. But you know what? The Bible says in Psalm 105, 15, Touch not my anointed. And so any time that you're talking about your pastor, you should be building him up and making him look good. And that's the way we should be with everybody that we talk about. I was in California one time, and I heard a story a pastor told about his son. He had been teaching his son how to mow the grass at his house. And he said, son, as soon as you mow the grass at the house and do it just like I tell you to do, then one Saturday I'm going to let you mow the grass at God's house. And he said, so you just keep doing. You're doing really well, but you're not quite there yet. And so the son really was looking forward to mowing the the grass at the church, so he, he just kept doing what his dad taught him to do. And after he got through one day, his dad came up to him. He said, son, you did a great job today. He said, this coming Saturday, I'm going to let you mow God's grass. And so the son was all excited, got to the church early that morning and started mowing the grass. And there was a house across the street from there. And there was a man and a woman there that had been invited to church many, many times, but they had never come. And all of a sudden, this young boy was out there mowing the grass, and the lady that lived in that house, came running out of the house. In my mind, I pictured her with the rollers in her hair and all that stuff, with a gown on. I don't know what she looked like, but that's what I picture in my brain. But she ran out there and was just screaming and yelling, so he turned the lawnmower off, and when he turned it off, she got this close to him and just started cursing him. I mean, up and down. He had never heard words like that in his life. And the preacher saw what was going on, so he went over there to try to get her to calm down, and then she started cursing the preacher. I mean, it was just a bad, bad day, you know. And so it was about two weeks after that that she had to go to the hospital and she was diagnosed with cancer. And guess where her cancer was? Cancer of the tongue. And they had to cut 
the tongue out of her mouth. And as far as I know, and he told the story that she had never got saved, but, but after her death, her husband came and he got saved by the grace of God. Praise the Lord. Cursing is a cancer of the tongue. And the Bible says in Proverbs 10, 31, the mouth of the just bringeth forth wisdom, but the froward tongue shall be cut out. There was an atheist. His name was Christopher Hitchens. And he wrote this quote. If anyone says, while I was on my deathbed, that I repented, don't you believe it. You'll know the cancer has reached my brain, and I'm not in my right mind. And he died of esophageal cancer, cancer of the throat. How's your tongue this morning? Just a challenge to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray.